doing, church? Good morning. Pleased and happy to be here this morning to be the one to bring the word. First of all, let me just say that I need to just take a moment to take this all in because God is just so good. When I think about where I was and when I think about where God brought me from, it is just an amazing transition. It is just a story of hope that everyone in here is looking for. God, you're looking at someone that God has used that was broke, busted, and disgusted. Someone who was a wretched man, someone from where I'm from was a ratchet man. Someone who just needed Jesus desperately. And here I am on a Sunday morning, ready to give the word to God's people. What that means to me is that if God can use a dirty man like me to bring his word, that he can use anyone in here to do the same. That is the story of hope. So if you've been with us, yes, you know what? It wouldn't be me if we didn't do this because that's just who I am. And this is a fun church, and I'm a crazy guy. So can we take 15 seconds to give our God some praise? Just 15 seconds. You woke up this morning. You got air in your lungs. You got two feet. You got the ability to praise. Let's give God some praise. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, thank you, Jesus. So, again, if you're joining us for the first time, we are really this crazy, and we really are this fun. And that's what makes us so great, and that's why I'm so in love with my church. Hello. So, again, if you are joining us for the first time, welcome. But also, if you haven't been here, these last two weeks, we have been... Uh, talking a lot about a lot of great things. One of the things that we've mentioned is that we we got some great news that just recently uh, was announced by Pastor Ross that we are moving towards the, the goal of having a new sanctuary. Hello. Yeah. And then two, Pastor Corey brought some word last week uh, in, as it pertains to intimacy of God. So for those of you who aren't aware of what we're talking about right now, we're talking about Hope Don't Quit. That's the new series that we're part of right now. Everybody say Hope Don't Quit. Uh, we could do a little better than that. Hope don't quit. Hope don't quit. I just gave you a story of hope, so I hope that this will stick with you. So the next few weeks, myself and a few others will get the opportunity to share with you the core values of Momentum Church. Last week, we talked about intimacy with God. This week, we'll be discussing responsibility to community, something that I am absolutely passionate about, my wife and I. You know, one of the things that I don't know if it's because of early childhood, something that was just put in me that I just absolutely get the greatest joy in serving other people. Maybe because I never went, and maybe I never had anyone that did it for me, and so maybe I just grew up that way. But I just absolutely loving, I just love serving other people. So, again, as we explore these next few hours that we're going to talk this morning, <laughs> my wife tells me I'm long-winded, so I hope it doesn't really take that long. But again, um, this week we're discussing responsibility community. And so if you've been with us on this journey, you know that we don't just want to be a church in Woodstock. Stand with me, if you will, as we read God's word. We'll be reading from Romans chapter 10, verse 14 and 15. And let's get right into it. 
How then can they call on him that they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? Some translations say, how can they hear without a messenger or someone to preach to them? And how can they be reached or how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Let's pray. Dear Father God, thank you so much for this morning and thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for your daily provisions. And at this moment, Lord, we just pray that you will be in the midst of your people. As we go into the word in the next few moments, we just ask, Father God, that your words will be spoken and not mine. And Father God, I pray that I may decrease as you increase. And Father God, we just, we welcome you in this place this morning. And we thank you for the fellowship that will take place this morning. It's all in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So let's stay here for a minute. In, in verse 14, it says, how can they call on him that they have not believed in? And how can they call or how can they believe without hearing about him? Or how can they hear without a preacher? I believe that this passage is calling on us as God's people to really take a good look at ourselves and take a look in the mirror because this is a challenge. This is a call to God's people. It's calling us to community. It's saying, hey, look outside these four walls. There's a bunch of people outside that are hurting, unchurched, don't know who Jesus is. Who's going to reach them? Is it me? Is it Pastor Ross? Is it Pastor Brantley? Pastor Stephanie? Is it you, Brittany? It's all of us. This is a challenge to each and every one of us. In verse 15, it says, and how can they preach unless they are sent? Well, you know, God, one of the great commissions is go and make disciples. And so now that we are disciples, we must do the same. But how can they do it if we don't go start the work in the first place? They have a word that they need to go teach to some people, but they need, they need us first. It says, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Now, I know I don't have beautiful feet. Maybe some of you do, but it still says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But there's a problem. The problem that we face is in the church, specifically with what some may call out of touch. A lot of people have said, you know what, the church is just out of touch. The church is so distant from us. People on the outside of these four walls need the word, and they need the love of Jesus. They can only get it from the hands and feet of Jesus, which is us in here right now. But how can they hear and how can they know these great things if we're so distant from them? See, I said that, you know, there's this problem that we face, which is we're out of touch and we're distant from the church. And what it really is is that the distance that's been created has caused us to be distorted from the outside world. Distance creates distortion. Distance creates distortion. 
the further you are away from the picture, the harder it is to see what it is. I got the, the, I believe, adverb of distortion. If you're a teacher in here, forgive me if I got that wrong. But the word distort says this, to alter or to give a false or unnatural picture or account. To alter or to give a false or unnatural picture is where I'll stay right there. A false picture. Here we are, this nice building, nice people, nice clothes, nice coffee, and we just think that everything outside must be the same. But that's the reason we're so disconnected. It's because we're looking at an unclear picture. There's absolutely chaos and destruction outside of these four walls. But if we're so far away from it, how can we see it? Distance creates distortion. Here's another idea. Because distance creates distortion, it keeps us from seeing the truth outside. How about this? If we're far from God, then the distortion, then the vision that we have of God becomes distorted also. The further we get from God, now we struggle with seeing God in his true self. And here's another one. Because we struggle with being so close to God and seeing God in his true self, then the people on the outside will struggle with seeing the God in us. So again, distance creates distortion. The further we are away from God's people, from the things of God, the things that need our attention, the harder it is to see the clear picture. Here's a story for you. True story, by the way. So for those of you who know me, you know I served in the Marine Corps for six years. Shout out to the armed forces. Yeah. And in those six years that I spent in the Marine Corps, I got a chance to spend a year and a half in Japan, one of the most beautiful countries I've ever spent time in. Side note, if you do ever go to Japan, or if you ever wanted to go to Japan, please make sure you put it on your bucket list because it's absolutely a great place to go. Um, like I said, I just learned so much about culture, food, everything. I had a great experience in Japan. But anyways, with the story, I was in Japan, obviously with my Marine friends, and we were doing um, police activities. We were training with the police, or the Japanese police. We had an opportunity to learn the culture, learn the food, learn the people. And one time, a good friend of mine and I, we were going out in town, and we were headed out to go eat, I think that's what it was, in a little street called Gate 2 Street, right outside the base. And as we were leaving base, and we were, I want to say maybe 15 minutes from our destination, because we had to walk everywhere, as we're getting there, we can see like a flood of people like rushing towards us with cameras. Now, we looked at each other, we're like, what is going on? I'm like, okay, well, what are we going to do? But we can see a lot of excitement in their face, so it's kind of like, okay, you know, we're going to stand here and we're going to see what's about to happen. And so these people come and they flood us with pictures and, and pens and papers asking us to sign autographs, and we have no idea what just happened to us. But we're gonna, we looked at each other, we're like, we're going to do this. And so now we're committed. And so my friend and I, he's about almost seven feet tall. He's African-American, by the way, so this is where the story gets funny. And so he and I walking, and they start saying, Shaquille, Shaquille. 
And then somebody says, Wesley, Wesley. And so now, my friend and I have committed to being Shaquille O'Neal and Wesley Snipes. And just for clarity, this is Wesley Snipes, and this is not Wesley Snipes. I'm way more handsome than Wesley Snipes. But continue the story. We're in, we're, we're in this circle of people. They're taking pictures of us. We're taking pictures. We're shaking hands. We're kissing babies. And then we have a great time, and they let us go. And, you know, we get a lot of souvenirs and so forth. And so we go on on this journey. At this point, we've done, we got the chance to eat, and we did some other adult stuff that would, that's for another day. And <laughs> as we're walking back, there's another group of people kind of like at the back of the room, and kind of like the same situation. Here goes some more people coming to get some autographs. And so my buddy and I, we're standing here, and we're like, we're about to do this again. We're committed. And so these folks, they start coming closer briskly. I mean, they're running fast with these cameras. And we're just nonchalantly walking like some celebrities. <laughs> and as they get closer, we can see their pace start to slow down <laughs> and start to slow down. And as we get a little bit closer, that brisk walk now turns into a stroll. And we get about to where my lovely family right here, Trish and Eddie. Say what's up to Trish and Eddie, everybody. So they get to about here, and you can see the disappointment in their face. Like, this is not Shaquille O'Neal and Wesley Snipes. Maybe they weren't Japanese, I don't know. But once they got that close to us, the picture was clear. It wasn't who they thought it was. So here we are again, talking about this distance creating distortion. The further they were away, the harder it was to picture who we were. But as they got closer, the picture got clearer. The picture became more natural. So let's take a look at another point. Let's walk over to Matthew chapter 25, verse 35 through 40. I'm preaching, y'all. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer the Lord, and they will see, and that, excuse me, they said, then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did you see us hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see a stranger and take you in, or without clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit? Truth, and this is where it gets real interesting. And Jesus says, it says, the king answered, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. See, we're talking about this picture of people being far away and not seeing the real clear picture and all this other stuff. It says, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Truly I tell you, whatever you did for these recovering addicts, you did for me. 
whatever you did for the children of Haiti or the people of Haiti, you did for me. Whatever you did for the children in Cannon Elementary or Arnold Elementary, you did for me. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for the people in Whispering Ponds and Forever Fed, you did for me. Last week, we talked about, again, intimacy with God. And Pastor Corey did a great job elaborating about the different points um, of value, trust, and side-by-side. You guys remember that. And as I sat in the back and I, I listened to the message, I just drew this picture of how God wants us to do life with him. But then I also, as I was preparing for this sermon started to draw this picture of how God wants us to have that same level of intimacy with one another. Value, trust, side by side. That's how God wants us to work with one another. That's how God wants us to deal with one another. Value. Let me tell you a story about value. Yesterday, a group of us went over to Whispering Ponds where we do Forever Fed and I will take just a few seconds to do a plug for Forever Fed. We operate second Saturday of every month. Rain, sleet, snow, it doesn't matter, we're there. These people rely on us for whatever it is that we bring to them. So it absolutely happens, even when my Gators are playing or not. Go Gators. Um, we are losing, but still a fan. But anyway, so here's the story. We're at Forever Fed. And we're helping these people out yesterday. And Forever Fed is this mobile food pantry that we bring to the community. And these people get the integrity of picking out their own foods, what they will eat rather than what they won't eat. Because I don't know about you, but I've been to places where you get a box of food and they say, here you go. I hope you have a great day. God bless you. Or you've probably been to places where and then we'll give you something for free. But this is not the case. These people get the integrity of coming and picking out their own food from these carts that we've set up. And they have meats. They got fresh produce, baked goods. You name it, they have it. Toiletries, they have it. They get to pick it. So we're at Forever Fed, and this lady, you could just see that she is just full of sorrow, full of shame. I walk her to her car with her groceries, my son and I. And she tells me, Pastor Marvin, I just want to tell you today, you guys just made me feel so valued. When she said that, I just instantly choked up, and I just, I couldn't help it. Because I remember what Pastor Corey talked about last week, and then I remembered how all these things were piecing together, and I said, that's it, God. Your people want to just feel valued. They want to feel valued. They don't want to feel convicted. They don't want to feel shame. They don't want to be condemned. They just want to feel valued. And once they feel valued, then that's where the trust begins. Once they trust us, then that's when the pictures of the baby start coming out. That's when they start telling us about their personal problems and their personal issues. One guy likes to bring his dog, uh, his little pit bull, so that everyone can pet because he feels like he can trust us. We're not there to shove Jesus down their throat. We care about you. We care, we want your kids, we want you to eat. And that's what they sense, and that's what they feel. They feel valued. 
So now that their trust comes, now they want us to walk side by side with them. I want you guys to do me a favor and pray for this community. At West Spring Pines recently, they just got their property where they live at purchased by a community developer, a community developer, excuse me. And so these people are being forced to leave. They don't have a timeline, but they all have to leave this trailer park. And a lot of these people can barely afford to live where they live at right now. But they want us to walk side by side with them. They want us praying with them. They want us helping them find other avenues to, to, to get on their feet. So all this would never be possible if we remain distant. We got to know the needs of the people. Earlier in Romans chapter 10, that passage was calling us to go out and be part of the community. See, I want to tell you something. When I was a little kid, I remember going to, his name was Dr. Green. It was this community doctor who always helped out in the community, especially for lower income families or impoverished families. And I was one of them. My family could barely put two pennies together. And then on top of that, we lived in a very bad neighborhood. We're talking about gangs on both sides of the street, guns. But I remember my parents not being able to get us Christmas presents. And we always used to have to go to Dr. Green's office every Christmas to get these dollar store gifts. But they were gifts nonetheless, and we still appreciated them. I Truly, I tell you, whatever you do to the least of these, I remember being one of the least of these. I remember going to the government office with my mom to go and get government free food. And I remember how my mom used to feel and how the people who worked there used to make my mom feel as if she was the least of these, as if she wasn't valued. I know what it's like to feel this small, like the least of these, to be devalued. I'm willing to bet that about 70 to 80% of us in here have been in that place where we have felt like the least of these. Some of us in here have struggled with addictions and have been made to feel like the least of these. Some of us in here have struggled with depression, heartbreak, pain, cancer, some type of illness that's just made you feel like the least of these. We all in here know at some point of our lives that we've been made to feel like the least of these. So what then? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1 and 3. 1, 2, 3, sorry. It reads this. Let brotherly love continue. Don't neglect to show hospitality for by doing so, or for by doing this, some have welcomed angels as guests without knowing it. I know when I've gone to Forever Fed, some of us who are part of that team, we get to see some of these little angels run around and play on the playground. And, man, they look dirty and they look like they haven't eaten in days or they haven't been closed in days. But, man, their spirit is amazing. Talk about serving some angels. 
And then in verse 3, it says, Remember those in prison as though you were in prison with them, and the mistreated as though you yourselves were suffering bodily. Let me repeat that. It says, Remember those in prison as though you were in prison with them, as though you yourselves were suffering bodily. See, sometimes in order for us to get the picture, we got to understand the picture. We got to understand where these people are coming from. They don't need our theology. They need Jesus. They need the love of Jesus, and that is it. Jesus commands us here in these scriptures to remember those in prison as though you were in prison with them. Put yourself in a place where you feel like you were locked up. Put yourself in a place where you were suffering bodily, and that's how they feel. See, remembering is everything. The word says remember those in prison. Anytime I see the word remember in Scripture, that's me understanding that the author wants me to really capture this moment. Keep it in the back of my mind. Remember, because there was a time that you were there also, Marvin. There was a time where you had no idea how you were going to feed your family. As a 32, 33-year-old man, I remember feeling like the least of these, where I thought that God had brought me out of all these things in my childhood. But here I am going to a government office to ask, could you please help me keep my lights on? Could you please spare me an extra 20 so I could keep gas in my car? Some of you have had to collect quarters, nickels, and dimes to buy a loaf of bread. There's people in our church who have had to dumpster dive to provide food on the table. Remember those that were in prison as though you were in prison with them also. Remember the least of these. Because many of us in here were the least of these also. This is not supposed to be one of those things where we're just supposed to feel bad for other people and feel bad for ourselves. God absolutely wants us to be prosperous. God absolutely wants us to stand on our feet. God absolutely wants us to be blessed. God absolutely wants us to stand on our two feet. What he doesn't want is for us to stand on a pedestal. It's hard to balance ourselves, much less someone else, on a pedestal. But when you're on your two feet, it's real easy to get close to your brother, get close to your sister, and pick them up. Not on a pedestal. Don't ever in prison as though you were in prison with them. You may have never spent time in jail, but think about those who are. Think about those who never get letters in jail. Think about those who just wish they could see their baby's face. Think about those who are suffering with an addiction that came from sin and somehow it brought them to that place. Here's one. John chapter 13, verse 6 to 17. Actually, we're going to start in verse 3, but... Before, I'm just going to paraphrase 
where this setting is. This is Jesus now in chapter 13, and this is during the, the, the Passover feast. Jesus, who we all love and adore, the Son of God brought to us in the form of man, the Alpha and the Omega. In Scripture, as I'm paraphrasing, it says that Jesus got up from the supper table. He was probably hanging with his homeboys, eating fried chicken, and he got up from the table, and here's Jesus, and he gets down on a knee, and he takes his towel, and he wraps it around his waist. And the word says that he took the water, and he began to pour the water into the basin. And as he poured, it says that he began to wash their feet, one after another, one after another. He began to wash their feet. Jesus, the Son of God, got on his knees in form of a servant to wash some grown men's feet. I don't know about you, but Pastor Ross, I'm not sure if I want to touch your feet. I just don't know if I can bring myself to it. I don't even want to touch my own feet. My wife won't touch my feet, so I'm, I'm not sure how Jesus did it. These men wore sandals. Their feet were probably callous and crusty. And Jesus holds their feet, and he washes it over and over and over again. And then it says that he dries their feet. So at this point, it's not creepy at all. He's holding their feet, and he's drying his, their feet. So in verse 6, it says, he came to Simon Peter who asked him, Lord, are you really going to wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing now, you don't realize, but afterward you will understand. Then Peter says, you will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Then Jesus says, one who has bathed does not need to wash anything except his feet. But he is completely clean. We all are completely clean. It goes on and it says, you are all clean, but not all of you. Now, this is where Jesus knows that he's dealing with a snitch in this crew. And he's talking about Judas. And then in verse 12, it says, When Jesus washed their feet and put his outer clothing, he reclined again and began to chill. Jesus was cool. I believe that. <laughs> I, began, I, I really believe that Jesus enjoyed fellowship. And Jesus just loved hanging out and just being with his people. So then Jesus starts to talk to them again, and he says, Do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are speaking rightly, since that is what I am. Verse 14, So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. Let's stop right there. It says in verse 14, So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. 
Here Jesus now, he says, if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. He doesn't say you ought to wash my feet. He says you ought to wash one another's feet. Jesus is calling them at that point in their dinner, in their time together. He's saying, I need you to go and be a community. It goes on and it says, For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. Truly, I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master, and a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things and you do them, you are blessed. I think it also reads, if you do these things, you are blessed if you do them. See, Jesus understood this whole thing about distance creating distortion. Jesus knew that if he stayed far away from his people, it would be hard for them to see him as who he is, but it would be hard for the guys who were with him to see the people the way that they were. They needed to be in close proximity. Jesus is good at being in close proximity. You see, being in close proximity is everything. In order for us to understand what people are going through, like my brother Brandon, who has overcome addictions, who has overcome heartbreak, who has overcome jail, the only way that I could be part of his story is to be in close proximity to him. How would I know his feet were dirty in need of washing? Close proximity allowed me to do that. How about this? I got my brother back here. Because of close proximity, it would allow me to understand what he has come from and what he has dealt with. It has allowed me to know that he has overcome a ton of strife. He has had to walk through a lot of dirty places in his life. It has allowed me to understand that I need to wash his feet. This close proximity is everything, y'all. Close proximity allows us to see the dirt that needs to be washed. And what about my sister from another mister? Because of close proximity, because the Lord has allowed us to spend so much time together. She is so great to my wife and I, y'all. Shout out to Eva. Love you, girl. Close proximity has brought me to a place where I know that she has had to overcome a life of heartache. Has had to walk through some real dark and dirty places. How else would I know that your feet need to be washed unless we were in close proximity? Unless I was willing to see outside of myself and see that I need to do community with you. See, guys, God is the author of proximity. He is the author of closeness. 
He calls us to be close to one another. In this situation, Jesus not only knew that his friends needed their feet to be washed so that they could do community, Jesus stood up and he said, I'll do it. Use me. Use me as your servant. I'll do it. Jesus understood that in order for them to be clean, that he had to take the first step and make them clean. This is not only the church that we are, guys. This is a church that we want to continue to be, and this is who we will always be. Let us pray. Dear Father God, thank you for this moment, this morning, God. We want to thank you for just being an amazing God, and thank you for all the things that you have brought to this place, Lord. Thank you for each person that's in this building today, God. You have called amongst us to be priests, Father, and we pray that when we leave this place today, that each and every one of us, God, will be prepared to go out and do your work, God. Use us to be your hands and feet. Father God, we love who you are. We love what you're using us for. Continue to use us, Lord. Let us have the eyes that you see in. Let us hear the things that you hear, Father God. Let our hearts break for the things that your heart breaks for. Father God, we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Let the church say. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.